Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 158, and we're discussing anime that would actually work as live-action adaptations. There will be light spoilers throughout this episode. But would they work? I don't know. We'll see. This is <laughs> going to be theory, one of... <laughs> on paper, This is going to be one of the most difficult discussions we've ever done, for me anyway, because if you don't know by now... I hate live-action adaptations of anime. Some of them are all right. I, I've given them a watch. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, the, Yeah, they get under my skin, but hopefully with the ones we've listed, that won't be the case. Well, there's something that we did recently that we didn't hate. Let's talk about that first. Let's, let's catch up. What fun thing did we do recently? Um, we did not catch up on our dropped anime. Oops. So <laughs> that's still lingering, but we'll we'll get to that eventually. Uh, but yeah, one fun thing that we did do over the weekend was attend the Baby Clock Tour, um, uh, the Chicago leg of the Baby Clock Tour. And for those of you who don't know what that is. They're probably like, Baby Clock, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's a combination <laughs> of the names for the two metal bands death clock and baby metal uh, i think most people are probably familiar with baby metal uh, but death clock is the metal band that provided the music for the adult swim show metalocalypse yes metalocalypse which i loved back in the day yeah i've never seen an episode of it uh but yeah i think one of our friends in, in confam is a big metal fan uh, talking about Aaron from Under the Bun YouTube channel. And so he let us know that the tour was coming to Chicago and we bought tickets. <laughs> that we did. I was joking around because they mashed up their names to be Baby, Baby Clock. Clock. But I'm mm -hmm. like, what if they did the other way? It would be Death Metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one would know who was performing. Um, but yeah, I, I said, I'm not familiar with death clock, but I am familiar with baby metal. I actually started listening to them around the time that our friend told us that they were coming to Chicago. Um, and I know like they are probably one of the pioneers of like this sort of unique Japanese music genres out there. Um, in this case, it's kawaii metal. Who was that guy? That guy that would always team up with Baby Metal when they were like first rising to fame. The guy who would like dress like a, a like a, oh, not a maid, uh, but. Ladybeard? Yeah, Ladybeard. What's he was up to? Was he with, I don't know if he was. He wasn't part of Baby Metal, but he did a lot of collabs with them. Oh, okay. Because I know he was part of other bands. Yeah. Um, that had a similar sort of spiel or stick i think the last time i ever heard about ladybeard was when he was on trash taste podcast yeah uh, I, I think he oh yeah he was part of lady baby and deadlift lolita but i think now he's with a band called baby beard oh my god baby 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 everything <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i think baby metal was one of the pioneers of that sort of uh, kawaii metal music genre um, and yeah, I started listening to them this year, really got into it. Um, I don't know why I just have this thing for like alt idol groups. Um, but yeah, baby metal's fantastic. And so we went to the, the show for them and death clock this past weekend. And I, <laughs> my ears 
are kind of ringing still, uh, but in a, in a good way because the the music from both bands was was fantastic. Uh, we should have brought earplugs, of course, because you know heavy metal. It's like you know, a billion decibels or whatever. Uh, but yeah, the crowd was definitely energized seeing both acts, um, and I think that was our first sort of like metal concert it wasn't mine i've been to oh really okay. one or two others i don't even remember the bands though because um they it was i was invited to go with a friend um the one i do remember though is from those ashes that was oh, a really right. good concert yes of course we, we've been to uh one of the shows for from those ashes uh but it's, it was an interesting crowd very eclectic very sweaty mix. i mean yeah because <laughs> the the theater was just packed uh with people uh but yeah it was an interesting mix because you had both like the metal fans and then also kind of like weebs but you know i think weebs and metal disguise which is probably what i would categorize you and me as uh but the interesting thing was and i've heard this about like the the heavy metal community like the fan community is that everyone's just so polite they really are i was surprised well i guess not surprised but I, okay, to be fair, I am surprised every time I go to a metal concert and everyone is like really chill and polite. But yeah, I'm starting to understand like that's the that's the culture of metal mm-hmm. fans at concerts. Like nobody was shoving into you when people were trying to squeeze through the crowd. They were like really polite about it. They weren't shoving their way through. They were kind of yeah. like, you know, very gently warming their way through as to not to disturb other people. Um, I didn't feel like anyone was bumping into me or pushing me or like, you know, intentionally trying to block my view. And I'm like, I'm saying this because I've been to many other types of concerts, EDM concerts, hip hop concerts, pop concerts, where that is like the norm. You you just have to deal with the fact that the crowd is really fucking annoying to stand around and hope that it doesn't ruin <laughs> your enjoyment of the show. But every metal concert I've been to, everyone's been chill as fuck. Maybe it's because they have the pit. They open up the pit, and that's where all of, like the 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 you know intense people go to let out all their energy. Yeah, but even when you know people were crowd surfing and just uh, throwing up the the horns, or I guess in baby metal's face throwing up the the fox sign, um, it was always just done again out of respect for people's spaces. I mean, there was one incident where. I think someone was trying to crowd surf behind us, and they they knocked my head over. Your um, head. Yeah, because I just suddenly felt a body slam against my neck. Oh, I turned around. There was an ass in my face. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, and I was like surprised at first, but then I realized, oh, someone's just trying to crowd surf, and you know th- that's fine. Again, that's that's the sort of energy that is present at a heavy metal concert. So I tried to help them crowd surf forward. Didn't seem like I most didn't. People... I was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't seem like most people were trying to help them, but you know, like when in Rome, I guess. Uh, but yeah, just a really interesting concert to go to. Again, Death Clock's act was great. I loved Baby Metal's act. Um, I'm just surprised like they have so much stamina and energy to to perform, like to do all the choreography, and for them to sing. Like Sue Metal, the the main singer, was just belting songs like it was nothing, and I'm always impressed by that. And I didn't really. They probably took like two breaks in between their set. Because um, they would go off stage, I'm thinking presumably to like catch their breath or or like have a, a quick drink of water, and then they'd go back and perform at like 110. percent I'm just, I'm just always impressed with groups and bands like that who 
like dedicate their all to having or to putting on a great show. I enjoyed both sets. I really so I don't follow Death Clock or anything, but I was familiar with some of the songs, um, like vaguely familiar. But what I was really excited about was the way they opened up the show. It was like a a clip. It's like you're watching a clip from Metalocalypse, but of course a clip that's meant for the purposes of like the show because they were talking about like the concert and all that stuff. And then I think the first song they played was the opening for Metalocalypse. With, and they actually had the mm-hmm. visuals on screen behind them. And I'm like, this is great. This is like nostalgic for me. And then Baby Metal, the only song I recognized was the chocolate song, but I like it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's a good song. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of their most popular and the ones that kind of, the one that kind of shot them into stardom. Um, yeah, I loved that. Uh, Megitsune, which is one of their, the last songs that they perform, that's also kind of one of their signature songs. Um, and I happened to, or I managed to get a recording of that entire song or that performance. And so I will send a link or I will share a link to that on our Discord for anyone who's interested in, in seeing it. Um, it is in the music channel currently, uh, but I once we post this episode in the Discord, we will share it um, through the strictly anime episode channel so if you are not a member of the discord the link to that is in the description yeah all in all it was just a a great time and what was really interesting is that baby metal was not the only japanese band performing that exact same night in chicago because sim was performing on not like the south side of the city but um i guess like technically because we were up Mm -hmm. on in the north side at the aragon ballroom for baby metal yeah. And then Sim was performing somewhere in like the south part it's of the called, city. It's uh, called Radius Chicago. I don't think I've ever heard of that venue. It might be a newer venue because, yeah, like it doesn't sound like one of the music venue staples that Chicagoans have heard of. I haven't heard any updates on the Sim concert. I hope it was a good turnout. I, I enjoyed when they performed at Crunchyroll Expo. I thought that was a really good show. Um, but, yeah, hopefully they had, they had a good turnout with a little competition on the north side with Baby Metal and Death Clock. I'm looking at a map of where Radius Chicago is located. It looks like it's near Chinatown. So yeah, okay, so south on side. On the south side, but I did see pictures from their show on their Instagram, and they had a packed house. Like it, <laughs> The venue went as far back as the eye could see, and yeah, I, I'm assuming it was a, a great show, so... Unfortunately, we we weren't able to go because obviously there was a time conflict. But uh, yeah, just weird that yeah, two Japanese bands happened to be in the city at the same time. So now let's talk about anime that we think might actually be good as live action adaptations. This came about because we have One Piece live action that has recently released, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of other attempts at live action in the, the West, most notably Cowboy Bebop. Um, yeah. so <laughs> we Death want, Note. Death course. Note, yeah. Um, we wanted to tackle this. Um, you know, it, we, it felt timely to talk about it, even though, again, it's going to be like torture for me because I've just never enjoyed any live action adaptation of an anime I've ever seen, whether it's on the Western side or on the Japanese side. Um, and really what's going to kill me inside is that I have, I, I'm sitting here 
critically thinking if any anime would be good as live action adaptations when I truthfully, deep down inside, don't even want any anime to be adapted. Like, I'm fine if we never have another live action adaptation of an anime ever again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, I think all of us are sort of anime purists where it's better that if someone's interested in a story, like, go to the source material, right? I mean, I know, like, it, it, in Japanese pop culture's case, the source material is technically the manga, because you know, or the light novel, or right? Because yeah. most anime are derived from that. But um, even I, I just guess looking at anime itself as as a a visual motion medium, like I'd rather go to watching an anime rather than watching something that was adapted from the anime. But I think in today's day and age, Hollywood is inevitably turning to anime now for film and TV show inspiration since they've pretty much exhausted reboots and remakes to death. Um, but, you know, like the talk about the One Piece live action, I think, again, that, that was kind of the inspiration for this topic because it seems that a lot of media and community feedback about the show is largely positive. Um, so it just gets me thinking, like, if Hollywood were to actually put some thought into how to adapt these shows with care and respect, like what are some anime that are, are probably, that would probably transition well into that space and are, I guess, kind of deserving of that sort of adaptation. Yeah. And again, I know I'm being, uh, you know, I'm being myself here and just saying like, I'm, I'm torturing myself having to think about these as live action adaptations. But if truthfully, if I had to f choose a few, these on my list, these are the ones that I think could potentially work. If I'm just being objective, if I'm critically thinking about it, I think these ones that I've selected could work. Um, and it's really not about like trying to redo or recreate what's already been done in live action adaptations because I we recognize some of these on our list probably already have live action adaptations, whether it's in Japan or in the West. Um, it's more about like if it was a clean slate how would we how would we do it right how would mm -hmm. how would we make it successful um and not fall into that that trap that like you know that pitfall of what we get normally with live action adaptations so yeah we recognize that some of these do have existing live action adaptations um and and we'll kind of talk through them as as we go through each of these um but it, it kind of got me thinking as i was looking at which of these have existing adaptations what's the issue right like let's talk really quick like what is the issue with live action adaptations and this could be an entirely separate podcast episode like this could be mm -hmm. its own topic but just high level first thing that comes to mind is like it's really difficult to replicate the unhuman like animation that you see in anime in a human medium there's yeah. just no way even with cgi there's just no way to truly capture that magic. It just doesn't translate. And what I found is that a lot of the, the shows that I picked on my list tend to have a realistic foundation or have a realistic feel to them mm -hmm. that could translate at least somewhat decently to a human medium. I think that's like the, the biggest thing. There are other reasons that I personally feel like live action adaptations just don't work, especially maybe on like the Japanese side of things, there tends to be some over the top acting or overacting that just feels 
a little too much at times. And that could just be me because I'm the type who gravitates towards very realistic uh, acting, very um, films that are, are rooted in realism. Um, not to say I don't enjoy all types of movies, but that's kind of what I, I mostly enjoy. So those are the things that like stick out at me. But what would you say is, is one of the issues of live action adaptations? I think for me, the most significant issue is that these studios, these companies who are producing these live actions, they don't fully understand the source material or they don't understand the message or the tone that the original anime set. Um, again, I, I'm thinking of Cowboy Bebop, like since I, I did watch that adaptation and I feel like they kind of tried to put Bebop into a genre that didn't do well for it. Like they tried to make it this TV miniseries. And I, I don't think that's the right sort of format for the way that Bebop's story is told, especially with, without delving too much into spoilers, but like, especially with uh, Spike Spiegel's story. I didn't like the way that they portrayed that. Um, and I think part of it is just because looking at the One Piece adaptation right now that's that's been trending, and I think they've announced that they plan to do a season two uh, sometime in the near future with how much success it's seen. Uh, I think a lot of that is because Netflix, maybe they learned from their mistakes with the Bebop adaptation. Because from what I was reading, Shinichiro Watanabe wasn't directly involved with the production of that live action. And I think with him not necessarily giving it his blessing, that's where the series kind of faltered in going into a different creative direction. But with the One Piece live action, uh, who is it? the the creator? Eiichiro Oda? Oda. Uh, yeah, or Oda-san. Uh, he was directly consulted, I think almost on every level with the live action. And they basically wanted his blessing to make sure that the vision of the show was in line with his vision for the anime. And of course there are going to be differences, but from like the casting to the visuals, to the story, um, I think they wanted to be as reverent and as respectful to his original material as they could. Hence why the one piece live action is so well received. So I think if these studios can have that respect for the material and understand what the core message of the original anime is supposed to be, if they can translate that into a live action adaptation, I think that would work well for both the broader audience that they're trying to reach as well as the original fans. Yeah, I completely agree. I think having an understanding of the source material is really important. Having an understanding as to why these shows are so these these various anime are so popular and so beloved that that's critical instead of seeing it as like a cash grab opportunity like hey this anime is really popular if we make it into a live action we'll get a lot of money if you don't understand where it's coming from you'll never be able to replicate or um be, be able to portray the emotions or the story beats that that connected with people in the first place. But I know I talked a little bit about how I approached my list. So again, it's 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 a lot of anime that already are sort of rooted in realism or have levels or aspects of realism to them that I feel would work um, with 
a live action adaptation. How did you approach your list? Yeah, I kind of approached it the same way in terms of how realistic it would be to maybe like portray movements or even like to portray certain characters. Uh, but also I, I kind of looked at the story of the anime, the plot of the anime overall in terms of like with the way that like Western pop culture approaches storytelling and is used to storytelling, which of these anime I think would be palatable for that sort of Western taste um, and, and more like easy to grasp because I know there are some anime stories that are way out there and any normal anime fan would, would find that fine. But for, for like a normie, is that going to be off-putting to them or are there stories in anime where they can, or they can find it a little bit more relatable? How many shows do you have on your list? I have eight. Wow. I also have eight. That's a first. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had similar lists that are similar yeah. in length anyway. <laughs> and I know I've, I've said this on previous discussion episodes where I think we'll have over overlap I don't know if that's going to be the case. Maybe it is because I feel like the shows that you think would be quote unquote realistic enough might be the same shows that I find realistic, but we'll see. I might, or I might just shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you do the honors and kick us off with the first one on your list? All right. So the first one is an anime that actually wrapped up earlier this year with its second season. I put Vinland Saga. Wow. I also there put Vinland go. Saga. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling. And again, thinking back to... Well, hey, before we start, I, I think it might be good to note if there's already a live action adaptation, which uh, I don't think there is for Vinland Saga. No. I looked it up and I didn't see anything. So as of right now, no live action adaptation that we know of. No, but I, I feel like there are live action prequels to this <laughs> series. Um, and then thinking again about like palatable stories vinland saga i think is literally a sequel to the history channel or the netflix show vikings um because vinland saga is it takes place within the age of vikings or i think almost towards the end of the age of vikings um uh, because of course it's torfin this isn't really a spoiler because i think this is just history or, or, or folk legend right <laughs> but it's it's Tor the character Torfin uh, discovering or establishing Vinland, this sort of haven uh, for, for peace and refuge. And if we were to think about this, if we were to think about Vinland Saga as this sort of sequel to the brutal and bloody tones and themes of the show Vikings, I think with Vinland Saga's more pacifist themes it would almost rightfully serve as a follow-up to that historical drama series. And in that sense, I think it offers a fresh perspective on like the, the gratuitous violence that is sort of synonymous with Viking culture and history. Yeah, I think Villain Saga would be um, a phenomenal option for a live-action adaptation. I think if, if it could work if the the team or whoever's behind it were to approach it 
I guess kind of like in a Game of Thrones Vikings TV series type of way, right? Mm -hmm. Where you need to glorify the violence. You need to make it in your face, but you need to have a um, a very strong foundation of a story that has a lot of depth to it. I've never seen Vikings, so I don't know if it has the story aspect of it or if it's all just kind of like the gore and violence. But if it were like Game of Thrones where you have this like political thriller almost coupled with the action and the intensity that would be great i mean there's not much that you'd have to create in villain saga because there's no monsters there's Mm -hmm. no mythical creatures it's just people and violence but i think that that could be really great because again light spoilers but not really spoilers you know the way season one works of villain saga it's all about the violence and the action it it really does glorify the violence because Mm -hmm. that serves a point in season two where it shows that violence isn't the answer to everything and there has to be a better solution if 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 they had they being whoever were to you know adapt this if they had a, a an extraordinary team of writers that could translate the the original creator's intent behind the violence and the message he's actually trying to send i think that this could work this could definitely work yeah now it's just making me think not just for villain talk but like the other other anime that we'll mention like who the live action version of certain characters would be um i don't know like i keep thinking of like norman reedus being in a villain saga live action as who i don't think like Thorfinn would be too young of a role. No, not Thorfinn. Yeah, he would not uh, be a Thorfinn. <laughs> I'm picturing like Askeladd. Maybe. Uh, no, I can't no? see it. I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do want to ask the question for all of these. Um, when it comes to Vinland Saga, how could it fail? What if what would it do wrong to to make this a failure of a live action adaptation? I think I'm just gonna default to the the studio. Producing it, not understanding the message of Vinland Saga, which overall, as we've mentioned, is pacifism and nonviolence and also just learning how to reconcile with your past sins, your past demons. If they mess that up, then they've completely butchered Vinland Saga. I also think another way it could fail is if there's overacting. You need to have Game of Thrones or like HBO level acting yeah. caliber to pull this off. Like it needs to be, if it's a TV series, it needs to be like movie level acting um, because the subtleties in Vinland Saga, um, even down to like the facial expressions or the mannerisms of individuals, like that would need to be on point to be able to portray the message again that the creator is trying to send with the show. Well, the first one that I have on my list, we'll see if you have it on yours too. I feel like maybe you will. I don't know. It's the anime 86. I was thinking about it, but it's not on my list. Oh, okay. Interesting. It'd be an honorable mention maybe on mine. Well, I looked and I don't think there's any live action adaptation for 86. Um, but I could be wrong. I don't know. It was, it was like kind of hard to get confirmation on some of these because some of these are like, oh, there, there's a live action in the works or there's been a couple of live actions or there's been rumors of live action. So I did my best to, to confirm what the situation is with these. But as far as 86 goes, I don't think there's currently a live action adaptation. Isn't the, I think the manga uh, abruptly ended and there's no st- like status on the anime if they're gonna have a second season i think the light novel is still ongoing right yeah i think it's still ongoing 
Well, as far as an adaptation, a live action for AB6, I think this could work. Um, I think that this is another show, I guess, similar to Vinland Saga, where there is a very strong message. There is a very important story um, that helps to support i guess like the action that's taking place like there's a point to the action there's a point to the war in 86 there's a point to the violence um and the violence and the story are kind of in service of each other so with 86 i feel like it needs to be on point when it comes to stories of like human connection yes you need to have actors that have incredible chemistry together and i'm not saying like only romantic chemistry but actors that that can portray the very delicate bonds that are present in 86 between some of the characters themselves and then some of the groups of characters. I'm trying to like tread lightly because I don't want to spoil anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but for anyone who's seen 86, hopefully you can understand what I'm trying to say um, when it comes to those very delicate relationships. Yeah. This reminds me, I used to be a sucker for war films, especially World War II films like Saving Private Ryan or the, the TV show Band of Brothers. Uh, but it's particularly not just because of, again, like the, the combat um, that was featured in those shows because they represented that, that war, uh, but also the, the bonds between the soldiers and the comrades and, and just seeing them like trying to like yearn for something more or try to make sense of the situations that they're in. And you know, I, I feel like 86 it derives a lot of its story from, like you said, those, those sort of human connections. So I think if they were to kind of frame 86 in a similar vein as those uh, war films, uh, but really focusing on the camaraderie between these characters, I think I could see it as a, as a good live action. The only thing that's kind of holding me back from that is with the... I forgot the name of the, the machines. The mechs? Yeah, the what mechs. the fuck are they called? <laughs> I think they were colloquially called like juggernauts. The localized? Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the colloquially colloquially local term. Uh, juggernauts, uh, I think there's like the Regenleaf is like the official term. Or like there are different classes. Oh, yeah, um, I just called them the juggernauts. But yeah, I think... Like with that CGI sort of element, that's where I would kind of be wary. Like, if they can nail, like the character-driven moments, that's great. But again, eighty-six, it's it's a mecha anime basically, and so they need to nail that CGI, those visual effects, really well. And if they don't, then it it, it would kind of be a shame. Right, yeah, so how could it fail? I agree. I think bad CGI and bad special effects um, would make this just poo-poo. Like, it, it, you're right, it's a mecha anime. The mechs need to look good. Um, and I think, too, with special effects, like, we, we need to remember that 86 is technically a sci-fi war film or a war film like a, a sci-fi war series mm -hmm. but that's not where the strength lies right like the strength lies in the storytelling and the writing but if the special effects similar to the cg are not at a certain quality level then i think it would detract pretty pretty heavily like the mechs are, are definitely the key part of it but there are some moments in 86 where special effects would need to be used to portray certain 
characters or certain situations and if that doesn't look good then it would definitely at least for me rip me out of the immersion but I think the biggest failure would be if the writing is not at the level it needs to be um, because one of my favorite parts about 86 that we raved about in our review is the storytelling the subtleties of the storytelling I think even more so than like Vinland Saga the way that 86 is done is just phenomenal like every little moment there is like imagery or something that plays into the larger story. There's not a moment or a frame wasted in 86. So that would also need to be translated when a, if a live action, live action adaptation were to happen, th there needs to be such care and attention to detail with that. The next anime I have on my list is an anime film. Um, and it's, it's, I guess, a little bit more heartfelt than Vinland Saga and and 86 although those are again great stories in their own right uh, i think this one it's set in the real world so that's like one thing that would kind of make it eligible for live action but i'm talking about the film a silent voice oh my god i don't want it i love a silent <laughs> voice too much i don't want it don't do it <laughs> uh, yes uh i again going back to my argument of watching things in the original source material is probably the best option but I think with A Silent Voice, this movie has such a special message that I think would resonate strongly with a broader audience if it were brought into the live action sphere. Um, I don't think there's a, yeah, there's no live action adaptations currently of this film or the manga that it's based on. Uh, but I can see it like if, you know, if the Japanese want to give it a live action, like you could have it take place within that same high school setting that a majority of the story takes place in. Or, again, to make it more palatable to a Western audience, have it transfer over to like an American high school uh, and you know, have these characters deal with the, these very lofty, very human themes. And I think, again, a silent voice tackles them in such a graceful way that I think audiences across the world, even those outside of anime, like it's a story that I think deserves to be experienced. So, okay, this one's tough for me because A Silent Voice is my all-time favorite anime movie, and I don't want it to ever be adapted into a live action, but if it were to be, um, I, I agree. I think this one could, could work really well, but my mind is like red flags all around, like how could it fail? I, I think it could easily fail if this were done in a like a soap opera style. Like I'm yeah. thinking like other Japanese romance films tend to have that over the top acting and just um almost like like stage play acting um where it just doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel normal. Um and for a a theme a heavy theme like the one you have in a silent voice i don't think over the top i don't want to say campy but just like that soap opera e acting would make sense and even that extends to the western side too like that soap opera type of acting just like that overacting it right. just would take away completely detract from the powerful message that a silent voice is trying to portray no i, I completely agree i i don't think this film should be or yeah, this story should be treated in the same vein as like a Nicholas Sparks novel, right? Like like, like the Notebook or A Walk to Remember, the film adaptations of, of those novels. 
Um, I think, like, if there were, I can't, I'm not a film buff, so I don't know any, like, particular names, but if there was, like, a Oscar-winning director who is familiar with, like, coming-of-age films, uh, if someone of that caliber were to helm an adaptation of A Sound Voice, I think I would be more comfortable with that rather than a, a filmmaker or a studio that likes to churn out like cheesy romance movies because a silent voice isn't necessarily a romance movie i i see it more as a coming of age movie uh with some romantic elements imbued in it but again it, it goes to the broader message of what the movie is trying to portray through the character um ishida right yeah and i also think like because in the beginning of A Silent Voice, very light spoilers, um, there's like a time skip after the beginning part. So in the beginning, they're very, very young. You'd have to get some like really good child actors. So like mm-hmm. really good child actors who could, um, who could, you know, embody what those characters are going through prior to the time skip. Tom Holland. <laughs> Tom Holland is not a child actor. <laughs> I, mean, he, I think he eternally looks like a child so he can play both <laughs> younger and older Ishida or like the the western counterpart of him. Okay, well, I'll skip down a little bit in my list because you brought up an anime film, I'll do the same. This one's probably going to feel very similar to what you shared, but the anime film that I think could work as a live action is the film Your Name, which is interesting because I could, mm-hmm. I saw that there is a western live action that is in production. I think the last I saw as I was kind of doing a quick um, Google search was that it recently changed directors or producers or something, but it, it is technically still in the works. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I know that JJ Abrams was attached to it at some point, which I'm hoping he's not because like, a lot of his movies are about like they surround mysteries that really don't have any, um, like, like any sort of, answer to them um your name i think is far from that because it's a it's not a cut and dry story but like you know what happens from beginning to end yeah and when it comes to your name i feel like it has a decent amount of like humor and lighthearted moments it's a it's a very powerful film it has really good drama really good emotion that it portrays but there's also a lot of like really funny parts like the the basic premise of your name is that these two individuals um, swap bodies, uh, not like Freaky Friday type of shit, but like, you know, they swap bodies and um, hijinks ensue as that happens. So if there was a team that could um, that could delicately handle both comedic moments and drama moments, I think that that, that could work. Uh, I also feel like what would need to be absolutely key in this type of a- live action adaptation is chemistry between the two main characters mm-hmm. because there are and i'm trying to try tread lightly because of light spoilers but um there are moments where there is like romantic chemistry happening even if the two characters aren't on screen together so there needs to be really great acting chemistry between whoever would be cast as those two main characters yeah that's a difficult ask for an actor because it, it, you know if they're not in the same place at the same time um how how can you portray that emotion but that's something that is very key like you said to your name 
that they need to translate very well if they were to do. I mean, I think, again, the live action's in the works. Another element that I think about is the, the supernatural element of it. Yeah. Um, so with this film, obviously, it takes place in Japan, and there are supernatural phenomena and occurrences in it that are sort of, I'll say, like, native to Japan and to Japanese culture. Um, to put that in a Western context, I think there has to be a, a sort of connection or a, what's the word? Like a sort of homogenous custom or tradition that's similar that could still pull it off. Because uh, I'm reading right now on the Your Name Wikipedia page that uh, one idea for the live action film is a, a young Native American woman living in a rural area and a young man from Chicago who swap bodies. Oh, so they're not just doing it straight up from Japan? They're not just doing a one-for-one one of your name, the the anime film? No, so I think this time around, it would be like a Western version of the film. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like it could go either way. It could be like great because they're, they're not tackling something that maybe they don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. But also like it could not be great because they're not following the success, like the story that made it a success in the first, in the first place. I actually don't yeah. know which I'd prefer. <laughs> I think another big thing is, uh, the music, especially with, uh, like rad wimps, uh, being one of the chief composers for the film. Like uh, they are the, the band who wrote the song sparkle that appears in the climax. Um, if an, a live action adaptation, maybe, maybe they would, bring rad ones back or something um for uh, but for if like a like an english spoken adaptation if there were a music maker or music composer who could capture how essential the music in your name is to the film i think that's also a challenge in itself yeah I don't know. See, I'm like, you know me, I'm so skeptical about all this. Hearing that that they're not going to root this in, in Japan. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see yeah, how it that goes. Was just, I don't <laughs> know if this is still, like, if this is a concrete idea or if it was an uh, idea that was floating about. Oh, okay. So we don't so. know for sure. Okay. I mean, we'll see, I guess, when it, if it ever does come out, um, what they end up doing with it. But yeah, I feel like in terms of how, how this could fail, um, you're right, the music not being at what it needs to be could definitely cause it to be a failure or the way they handle the supernatural aspects of this or again like the the lack of chemistry between the characters um but i think the the biggest failure is trying to what's the term like fit a a square a peg in a in a Round, square peg, square in peg a in a round, round hole, hole. <laughs> right like i think that that could be the biggest potential for failure just hearing that there's rumors or thoughts of making this not what it originally was back to my list uh you know enough of this kind of emotional shit <laughs> with these <laughs> anime that we've brought up i'm gonna bring something up that's more over the top um it's an original anime one that i really loved from last year and i think i've mentioned it many times in the past couple episodes uh but i put akiba made war <laughs> interesting okay um, <laughs> i'll let you cook <laughs> yeah i think obviously it would only make sense if this were an adaptation uh made in japan 
because maid cafes are part of the Japanese otaku culture. I don't know if there's like a Western counterpart. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking of Hooters. Like, Hooters? <laughs> if they had like a, a Hooter war or something. Oh my I don't God. know. Um, but... Like Hooters against, tw- was it Twin Peaks or what's the Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twin Peaks is like yeah, the other competing chain. Uh, but, you know, since I keep saying on this podcast that this anime feels like if Quentin Tarantino encountered kawaii culture, why not have a Tarantino-esque director on this live action? Uh, it, it, I, I guess it kind of reminds me of, I never watched this movie, but I remember seeing the marketing for it, um, Sucker Punch. Do you remember that movie? Vaguely. Out, maybe 10 or so years ago. It was directed by Zack Snyder and had this female-led cast. But I think the absurdity of this anime um, and the fact that it mixes two elements that don't seem like they could be connected anyway. In this case, it's maid cafes and gratuitous criminal violence would just make for a a hilarious visual spectacle um, on the live action stage. Uh, It's, I know I'm making a lot of comparisons here, like Django Unchained, like that being like taking place in a typical setting that we would expect, but then it being of a, a more outrageous caliber. I think a live action of Akiba Made War, if it were up to those same standards, would just be fun to watch. Um, I'm going to press X to doubt. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do I, that with every Well, <laughs> no, but like, if I'm being totally fair, so like some of them, actually all of them so far on your list, I could see working. This one, I just don't know. This goes back to being able to portray the unhuman-like elements of an anime in a human work. I just don't see how that could work. So my mind What's unhuman in Akiba Made War? Their mannerisms and the way that they talk and just like the goofiness of everything. Because I think about... Now, this is an, an extreme example, right? But I think about the way they portrayed Ed in the live-action Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Obviously, Ed is like way more over the top than like physically way more over the top with like, you know, wiggly arms, and like unhuman like, you know, features sometimes when they're trying to express an emotion that she has that that is more intense than what you get in Akiba Made War. But I still feel like there's some level of similarity there where I'm like, I don't know how a person could behave the way that they do in certain scenes in Akiba Made War that would work well in a live action well you've watched kill bill right by quentin yes. tarantino that sort of dialogue is, is also very campy and unexpected but think about the manager from occupa made war think about how she reacts to certain situations and how just like over the top she is she may not be drawn super goofy but her reactions like when she's begging for her life right or like when she's freaking out about something like that I just I don't know how that would work. Mm, maybe. Like there are other characters that yeah. I think could work. Like who's the main chick? Like the deadpan one. Oh, oh. that everyone loves. With God, the purple no. hair. <laughs> I loved her character, and and now her her name is escaping me. Um, Ranko. Yeah, like yeah. like Ranko. I feel like could work because even when she's in a really ridiculous situation, she is still. Granted, she's deadpan, but like she's still 
relatively realistic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, mm. there are certain characters. I'm not saying all the characters couldn't work, but there are certain characters or certain situations where I'd be like, I don't know how this would translate. Like they fit too much of an anime archetype to translate. Yeah. Okay. But like, as far sense. as like the Kill Bill feel or the the Quentin Tarantino vibe of everything, like yeah, that that could work. I I could see that. I think that's like a, a perfect way to describe that or a perfect fit for that. But I just don't know if a hundred percent of that show would would work as a live action. Well, I think it would work, and I would <laughs> love to watch it. <laughs> well, here's one that um, maybe someone thought would work, and then it didn't work twice it didn't work but i'm still holding out hope okay i don't really hope that it'll work but if it were to happen again maybe it would work a third time third time's the charm you're looking at me like i'm crazy it's death note okay yeah i was considering putting death note on my list but (laughs) so we all know that um there's a a wonderful Western live action adaptation out there that features Light Turner. <laughs> but there's also a Japanese live action that I've actually really heard nothing about, but maybe because I've heard nothing about it, it's it's just okay. Do you know there's a Death Note musical too? Is there really? Yeah. I don't know why I've been hearing <laughs> about it recently. Well, I wonder if the musical is any better than the Western adaptation. Who Who made that movie? Uh, the Netflix one? Yeah. It was Adam Wingard. Oh, I don't know who that is. Um, I guess, apparently he directed Godzilla vs. Kong. Hmm. And Blair Witch. Not the original Blair Witch, but the, I guess, sequel to it. Oh, interesting. Well, my sisters, I've shared this on the podcast before, but my sisters are big fans of Death Note. They watched it when it was first airing um loved it and they were severely disappointed i don't know if both of them watched the live action but i think at least one of them did and they were severely disappointed like many other death note fans in the western live action um yeah so i i've i've seen clips of it but i've never sat down and watched the whole thing because i don't hate myself that much but how how it could work i just think death note besides the shinigami right like that could be a challenge to translate I feel like Death Note is made for Western television. How have we not gotten it right so far? Can you imagine like this psychological thriller? It would work so fucking well if it was just approached in a way that wasn't trying to recreate the anime. Like you still want it to have the same story, same story beats, similar characters, but instead of trying to recreate what the anime had, which again is is very difficult, very, very difficult to do because a lot of these these things don't translate. Just take a fully fresh approach to it, and and just try to make it rooted in realism. Make it, you know, one of those other, you know, hundreds of great TV dramas that we have out there. Like, just do it that way. Like, I, I I'm, I'm like saying that, but I'm like trying to think of a an example. Like, what's a really good thriller that we've had somewhat recently that was a, a success? Um, I. I don't know. I haven't watched any thrillers. I know. We suck at this. Shutter Island. <laughs> Shutter Island. <laughs> I mean, that came out way, way back. <laughs> like, I'm thinking if there was like Breaking Bad level quality oh, to Death yeah. Note. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that's not a psychological thriller necessarily, like not in the traditional way that maybe like Death Note is viewed as. But if you had that quality behind Death Note, that would be amazing. Again, the Shinigami might be difficult, but with the CGI that we have nowadays, I think it could work. I mean, look at Thanos right like he 
He had all the odds against him. He's fucking purple, and his chin looks like a saggy ball sack. But he's <laughs> awesome. He looked really good. Like, Marvel did a great job with mm-hmm. Thanos. So I feel like they could do a really good job with the Shinigami. Wait, who the fuck? Who the fuck voiced Ryuk? Wasn't it Willem Dafoe? Willem yeah, Willem Dafriend. Dude, <laughs> if you brought Willem Dafoe back, I would be all for that. Yeah, I mean, I've heard bits and pieces of him as Ryuk. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. The thing is, like, what you're saying is, isn't that what they were trying to do with the 2017 Death Note? And yeah, but they fail because if you look at it, even just clips of it. Light is so fucking cringe. He looks like some edgy teen or like he's like try hard. It just, yeah. I'm like, no, I hate to like bash on the actor, but like that was not a good cast at all for that that character. He's supposed to be well put together. He's supposed to be a whole facade of like this, this good, um, intelligent, wholesome human being. But behind that is like a psychopath. You don't get that at all from Light Turner in the western adaptation you get like some Mm. brooding teenager which you don't need that because that's what l is for actually you know that might be another failure point if you can't get l right because he's fucking cringe like technically he's Mm -hmm. cringe right his mannerisms uh, lakeith stanfield played l in that netflix live action i've actually never seen a clip of of live action l so i I can't comment on like whether it was good or not lakeith stanfield's uh, a terrific actor but i just think yeah he was mismatched um, in that casting you know what it would, it would be like it would be a failure if you cast if you had a situation like um oh my god who was the villain in the most recent batman movie the batman uh oh I, the riddler I, right yeah if you had um, like the situation with the riddler i just think about that fucking meme paul paul dano where he's like yeah. trying to have a psychotic breakdown in the police station he's like no 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 <laughs> like it's it's so cringe it was it was bad like it was just bad so if you had an l that gave off those vibes instant failure but if you had like a very creepy psychotic not, not psychotic a very creepy eerie l who slowly showed you that he is competent and that he's great at what he does despite the way he looks or his mannerisms, like, that would be really good. You know what I'm picturing? Like, a younger counterpart of Killian Murphy. Yes. If if there's an actor that exists that has the same mannerisms as Killian Murphy, but, like, a younger age. Yeah, have you ever seen... Light. Have you ever seen him... Oh, you're talking about Light? Yeah. Uh, yeah, say, you know what? I could see that because have you seen hmm. the movie Red Eye? No. Was he in that? Yes. He was the bad guy. And he did a really good job because on the outside, on the surface, he looked like a good person. He looked approachable, whatever. But then he was like, you know, terrifying when you got to know who he actually was. So I think Killian Murphy could be a someone like him could be really good as light. But that's how you would make that work is phenomenal casting for these characters. Because the story is written itself, right? Like it's less... I would say there's less of, like, the nuances that you would need from, like, a Vinland Saga or an 86. It's more, like, in your face, like, the way Death Note is done. Like, you Mm -hmm. know what Light is thinking the whole time. There's no question about it. And you know the way that it impacts other people. There's no question about it. Um, So I feel like the the, the key here is really good casting and making sure that the the Shinigami don't look like shit and aren't too, like, over-animated. Make them, because mm-hmm. we know that Ryuk has some really funny moments, especially like when it comes to apples and whatnot. 
don't make him goofy, like too goofy. Don't make him too over animated. Make them eerie. Give us the creepy vibes that the Shinigami are supposed to give off, right? Like they're the one, like, like Ryuk is there in the background the whole time, just kind of watching and waiting. That's what you need with the Shinigami in a live action adaptation to make them work. Yeah, and bring back Willem the friend. Yes. I think his voice fits it so well. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, story-wise, it's basically a cat and mouse story where Al is constantly trying to chase down light. Um, so I think the thrill of that, like in a live action, would be interesting to watch. Um, casting, like you said, I think that's paramount. Uh, but even if they don't adapt the original anime one for one, uh, I think things could take place within the universe of Death Note because, like, I think there were like spinoff series like manga or, or whatever where it was other characters in the world that had taken the death note or like the death note had fallen into their hands like seeing how other people would approach it uh, i think maybe that would keep the anime intact but putting it in the world of death note couldn't be another way that they could approach a live action next on my list is another original anime this one from earlier this year uh, buddy daddy's okay okay that one too i think the story kind of just writes itself because buddy daddies is pretty much a buddy cop film mixed with a family comedy film so are you thinking like buddy daddies in the style of rush hour that's the only buddy cop film i know (laughs) yeah pretty much uh what was the lethal weapon is also like a buddy cop film what was the one with Martin Lawrence. Uh, Bad Boys? Yes. With was Will that a, Smith. Was that a buddy cop film? I, I guess, yeah. But I think the more familiar one to both of us is, yes, uh, Rush Hour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, kind of take, like, if Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, well, <laughs> the characters, uh, Ray and Kazuki, are nothing like Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. They they have unique quirks in their own right. Um, yeah, it's basically two... Well, they're not cops, but they're, they're assassins, and suddenly they have this kid that they have to take care of. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure there have been movies with similar premises in Hollywood. I'm thinking of, it was called The Pacifier with, with Vin Diesel. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe kind of like that, um, but less cringy. Um, like, like with Death Note, I think the story for this writes itself. There's enough humor and action and com yeah humor action comedy which is same as humor um that i think a western audience could easily eat up the only thing with buddy daddies is that i wasn't particularly hot about the ending so in a unique way i I could see this benefiting with a competent hollywood writer or filmmaker who would actually know how to properly tie up loose threads in a way that doesn't feel rushed or shoved in like I felt with the ending of the anime. For some reason, I'm thinking of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, the guys behind like 21 Jump Street and I think the Lego movie, uh, if they were to helm an adaptation of Buddy Daddies. But that's the interesting element with this is like, yeah, the anime source material is intact, but then there's one aspect of it that I think could be changed for, for or like in a positive way 
Yeah, I can see this working. If you go the buddy cop route, because we've gotten many of those films over the years um, and they work like they work because they don't try to be anything that they're not. They don't try to be like too serious or too dramatic or too mm-hmm. funny. You know what I mean? Like they, they just work because they are what they say they're going to be. And if that's the approach that you take with something like Buddy Daddies, I could see that working. But I think it'd be a point of failure. Like how, how could it fail? Right. Like I feel like if they casting, yeah, like casting <laughs> would be a big issue because the two characters I, don't, I haven't watched it, but I know enough from from you and from um, some short clips to understand like the very different personalities that the main characters have. But then also you need a really strong child actor to be able to pull off whatever that kid's name is. I feel like, yeah, that one, Uh, you need like a, (laughs) (laughs) you need a good child actor that can play well, like, you know, like bounce that comedy back and forth between the two main characters and and her. Um, I think, I think that would be, tricky but not like impossible because yeah you're right there have been other child actors that have been in comedies that have done really well yeah, i feel like the casting for the child actor is key and if that's not right then that could potentially be where the the adaptation would f- fail yeah because again i haven't watched it but it sounds like what really captured people with this show is how wholesome and cute Mm-hmm. the child is because then you're rooting for the buddy daddies to <laughs> to be successful <laughs> yeah. in whatever is going on right like mm-hmm. I, I don't know i can't speak to it very much but yeah i think that the connection that the audience has with the kid is what makes this what it is that, so that's yeah. what makes it a success well i have something also kind of similar um but not with like kids or anything on my list um but it's it's another one that has a lot of comedy to it, but it's still sort of like not an action film. I don't know how you categorize this, but the anime I'm talking about is Great Pretender. Hmm, I was I was considering that. Also, I realize we we forgot Buddy Daddies does not have a live action adaptation. Oh right, right? no, okay, no, it's an re- anime original. Okay, so no live action adaptation of Buddy Daddies, and as far as I know, no live action adaptation of Great Pretender, the anime. There are many other films yeah. that are called Great Pretender, but nothing that is a direct um, adaptation of the anime. However, can you imagine Great Pretender done in the style of Catch Me If You Can? Yeah, I think. Um... When we first reviewed Great Pretender, I, I mentioned how the opening had the uh, style, visual style reminiscent of Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, and like Catch Me If You Can, it's been a long time since we've watched that movie, but that had plenty of comedy to it, but there was still like serious moments um, and a lot of like intensity because of the situations that Leonardo DiCaprio's character would find himself in or, you know, intentionally put himself in. Or have right? you watched... Um, Ocean's Eleven. I have not, but okay. but I know it's a really good movie. I've I heard like, it's a good movie. Like if Great Pretender were kind of in that same style. I've only watched clips like of heist it. film type. Yeah, of, yeah. But then also has that sort of campiness to it, right? But still, it's campiness with really phenomenal acting yeah. where it doesn't feel cringe or, or like break the immersion. So yeah, I think that could, that could work for Great Pretender. I think Great Pretender is also a, a fantastic. P- potential for a live action because of the global 
nature of that show Mm -hmm. they travel to different countries and like the whole cast uh, is is from different countries different ethnicities there's different languages being spoken throughout the Mm -hmm. the series so i feel like that would be a really great option for a live action adaptation now how how it could fail would be if they keep that shitty ass ending that they had from from i guess what is technically season one but yeah Mm -hmm. that was a really really garbage ending that would be a, a deal breaker and so I think that's similar to Buddy Daddies in that Great Pretender would probably benefit from a competent writer in the Hollywood sphere who would know how to make that ending matter rather than be like a pretty much a throwaway that we, we thought it was um, when we reviewed it. You also need, so it's a, a very like diverse cast of characters for the main cast. You need mm-hmm. actors who can portray the uniqueness of each character while still having really good chemistry as a team. Um, Probably similar to what you get in Ocean's Eleven. So yeah, I think that would be another important aspect to that. But yeah, I think Great Pretender could be a really fun live action that a lot of different people could enjoy. And maybe instead of like sticking to the locations and settings that the anime tackled, again, it's a very global show. Uh, they, they could take inspiration from those, but then set it in other locales. I'm um, seeing heroes like Los Angeles, Singapore, London, Tokyo, Shanghai. I mean, th- those are pretty major international cities, um, but there are other great cities across the globe where they could have other heists uh, and maybe come up with new ideas with these heists, again, that are kind of inspired by, I think there was yeah three cases um, that were featured in the anime. Next on my list, I was trying to think of a, a proper shonen that could have been adapted. Oh my god, that's that's tough. <laughs> well, I mean, like One Piece, they were able to do it with One Piece. Uh, the one that I thought of was Demon Slayer, because I feel like of the shonen that we've watched or that I've watched, this one would probably be the smoothest to transition into a live action. And I'm thinking more so because of Tanjiro's emotionally gripping backstory. I know there are many elements of Demon Slayer that make it like anime. Like this is anime at its most anime. But you have the base story where it's a sibling who's trying to save his other sibling who is under a curse. Uh, And the only way to defeat that is to... (laughs) join a team that is trying to take down the the big baddie behind the curse uh it's it's a pretty i guess simple story uh, i know there's complexities to it uh, but you know i think if like maybe if this were kept as a live action adaptation within japan and the same period setting um i think it would it would kind of be effective in capturing a broader audience are there any live actions already no not that i know of okay so <laughs> here i here i am pressing x to doubt question how would you approach some of the features of some of these characters like i i think about the demons <laughs> right inosuke. <laughs> yeah inosuke uh rengoku's hair <laughs> mm-hmm. things like that right like there's there's certain you're right like th- this is a very anime-esque shonen um what about like Zenitsu's 
over-the-top behaviors. Yeah. Or just really any any moment of comedy in in uh in Demon Slayer is very it could be very campy. It's it's very over the top. It reminds me again of like Cowboy Bebop, the live action trying to recreate Ed. Ed was mm. like a fraction of the over the top nature that you get in Demon Slayer sometimes. Yeah. And I'm thinking to like the One Piece adaptation. You know, I we haven't watched One Piece, so I don't think we are the proper uh, critics to to discuss it. But you know, like Luffy, I know has like the the extending arm, uh, and some of the characters, you know, they have pretty distinct uh, physical features. Like Zoro has his, his green hair, or or I don't know the, the other characters, but uh, <laughs> the, you know, the clown dude. <laughs> I think it, in that case, it's. <laughs> it's almost like uh, visual effects and makeup. That's up to them <laughs> to, to to pull off in a way that doesn't feel too out there, but also just feels very tasteful and down to earth. Yeah, I, grounded. I haven't watched One Piece. I haven't watched the live action. I haven't seen any clips. I'm I'm scared too, just because I've been burned so many times with live actions. But I did read or hear somewhere that um, the team decided to take away some of the more like. I don't want to say like goofy elements of characters, right? But mm-hmm. like there are parts of characters that were more like omitted. the caricatures. Yeah, just yeah. to make them more realistic and to not have to try so hard to recreate something that just isn't going to translate well. So that was a smart choice on on their end. Um, like the clown dude has like a really long nose. They didn't give the guy a long nose, I think. Whoever clown dude. Well, yeah, the clown dude with the the slingshot. <laughs> I don't oh, know anything about yeah. One Piece. <laughs> uh, his name's escaping me. But yeah, his actor, I don't think, has, like, a long nose. <laughs> I think they omitted that because it would just be too goofy. Yeah. So I guess you could do that. It's just, I don't know, like, like there's just, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about how they would attempt to do the, com- the comedy parts of Demon Slayer because you can't omit them. I right. love the dynamic of the drama to comedy um, or, like, the drama and comedy in that show. So, like, how, how would you approach the comedy? Oh, the character's name was Usopp. That's I was trying to look. Oh, that's up. Usopp. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I kind of look at it like with Marvel, how Marvel is the perfect blend. At least Marvel at its peak okay, <laughs> was but, the perfect blend of action comedy. But the comedy in Marvel is subdued. It's like it kind of just like skirts by, and then when it hits you, it's really mm, good. Yeah. Versus like the in-your-face obnoxious weeb comedy <laughs> that you get in Demon Slayer. Okay, yeah, I can see that as a sort of delicate balance that the live action would have to juggle. I I, I still think it, in a way, it, it's doable. Um, but... I think the actual, the core story that you were describing like would be really interesting. Like if you mm-hmm. got an actor who can cry like Tanjiro <laughs> and portray, yeah, portray those emotions, it would be great. And some of those fight scenes, holy shit. That would be amazing with the right CG effects behind mm-hmm. it. That would be great. But um, but yeah, I think there's there's going to be some some tricky things to navigate. Also, the only person who could play Muzan is Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they use that, like, what do you call it? Like the facial technology. Um, I, I'm kidding. I don't think they should do that. <laughs> like, have him play. Uh, I mean, for the meme, pos- they could. Pos- post- <laughs> Posthum- 
What's the word? What? <laughs> Posthumous? Posthumously. Like post death. Oh. Right? That's the word. I don't <laughs> Yeah, but do it or, for the meme. <laughs> no. I, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think um actors should be raised from the dead. No, to I agree. Play parts. <laughs> it's um, okay, we we have the meme. Yeah. That, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, next up on my list, I have an anime that you haven't watched, but hopefully you know enough about just watching me watch it, um, to understand why I think this one could work. And that's the anime Monster. So I couldn't find any confirmation of a live action adaptation. I saw some Reddit posts that said that there was potentially going to be a Western live action, but it never came to fruition. So I'm not really sure what the situation is there, but I'm guessing there is no live action. But I think this this is one that would would certainly work as a live action. Um, it's completely rooted in realism. There's no, nothing supernatural really about this. Like there are moments in the show where there's like dream sequences or like storybooks that are being, um, you know, shared or whatever that on screen have non-realistic animation. Um, but I think that that could be, that could still be tackled or like the storybook moments, those could be done in a completely different way where someone is just telling the story versus like us actually seeing the story on screen. So there's so much realism that's happening with Monster that I think it it could easily work. I'm sure there's plenty of dramas, like thrillers like this in, in TV and, and film in the Western sphere that if it were to emulate something like that, it could work very, very well. Yeah, I'm reading you know, the Monster article on Wiki that it was supposed to also be an HBO series uh, produced by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, dude, HBO, that would be amazing. Actually, there's another mm. HBO show that reminds me that that could be similar vibes to what Monster could potentially be as a live action. It's that that show with Matthew McConaughey oh. and uh, whatever that fucking dude's name is. You know, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> Colin Farrell? Who's Colin Farrell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're thinking of the same I need, show. I need faces. True Detective. No, not Colin. Is Colin Farrell in that? Uh, I thought he was. Yeah, he was in the second season. Matthew McConaughey was in the first. Oh, I've only seen the Matthew McConaughey one. Who? who Dustin. What the fuck is his name? Who? True Detective. Where I'm like googling this right now. True Detective. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. I don't know why I said <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> yes, the one, the season with um Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. That's the only one I've seen of True Detective. But that was great because it's it's you know two detectives investigating a you know a situation a mystery of sorts but behind all of that is a ton of like eerie shit that's happening um and that's exactly the kind of eeriness that you get from johan the main villain in monster because the only way that monster would be successful is if johan is casted like perfectly he he, i don't want to say too much because i want to spoil it but he is a very eerie ominous figure throughout all of monster and that is so important to get right so basically how it could fail is if johan sucks yeah i don't know much about monster besides seeing the snippets uh that i caught while you were watching it on tv uh but i know that the west eats up crime dramas and mystery oh my god yeah like that <laughs> so i'm surprised that this didn't pass hbo's like threshold or whatever uh because yeah true detective 
like it, it fits or like monster fits within that realm i feel so like so well but where do you think it would falter then if Johan sucks, like if the main villain sucks, oh, okay. I feel like it would falter there. Um, also, Monster is really long. Um, so I don't know if it would be like a TV series or if it were a film, they would need to like, like cut it. Like a 10 episode miniseries. Yeah. Like there's a lot happening in Monster. It would need to kind of be maybe not toned down. Um, like like some of the parts would just need to be like expedited or like, you know omitted altogether but really every moment of monster is so critical so i say that but i feel like that that wouldn't work for this show um i feel like yeah if, if johan sucks it would falter um and also if uh shit what the, what's the main character's name i should know this because they say it a million times throughout the show they, they like constantly say his name dr tenma um if if tenma was not intense enough about his his mission and what he's looking to do that's also where it could suck. So basically, if, if the main character was bad and if the villain was bad. Next on my list, this is actually one of my favorite, top three favorite anime. Uh, it's Kids on the Slope. And this does have a Japanese live action adaptation. I think it was a film, which I haven't seen. Uh, but as much as I don't like too much deviation from the source material with the live action. I think if this were to take place in an American or a Western school setting, because Kids on the Slope focuses on three high school students in Japan primarily, it could appeal to a broader audience as long, I think this is the key part, as it re- as it retains its jazz music-focused drama narrative. Because Kids on the Slope is essentially about this male high school student um, who's kind of like a, a shy recluse uh, but then he like he's classically trained in piano but then he discovers jazz as a new genre and that kind of opens up a friendship that he has with another character and it, it, another character so it's, there's sort of like a love triangle that happens between the three of them but also the show does so well in showing like an appreciation for jazz as a music genre. And I think that kind of story would blend well with coming of age dramas that we see in the West. And of course, jazz is a genre that was born out of America. So why not highlight that in a live action adaptation? I feel like a lot of music anime could do well as live actions, but where it could get tricky is the moments you get when music is being played or performed. Because I think about, um, like, oh, my God. I'm already forgetting the name. What the fuck? You're lying, April. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and some other ones where, like, when music is being played, like uh, those Snow White notes, when music is being played, you're taken out of, like, the audience setting and you're in, like, a snowy mountain or there's, like, Sakura petals flying all over the air. You're, mm-hmm. like, in space or whatever the fuck it is. Like, they take you out of the realist Real, the realism and into like something fantastical yeah would that work in a live action or would they need to find a different way to portray the the feelings that the music is giving the audience well i think kids on the kids on the slope kids on the slope is unique in that i don't think it has scenes like that similar to your, your line april yeah i think you're right i'm trying to remember it's been a long time yeah, since we've seen it, it. it's it feels like a more realistic approach to 
the appreciation of music. Well, I, I do like that in shows like Your Lion April and those Snow White notes, um, they have visual representations of what music feels like. Um, Kids on the Slope is different in that it lets sort of lets the music speak for itself. Uh, and, you know, I think a make or break with this is in portraying the characters playing the music. Uh, I'm reminded of the film The Pianist. Uh, the main character was played by Adrian Brody, who's not like classically trained at the piano. So they had like a, a sort of piano stuntman come in and play his parts on the piano, like showing just the hands on the keys. Um, I'm sure there are actors who will, who like if they were to make this a live action, um, the actors would probably have to go through some sort of training to get the basics down of playing the music. Uh, but my biggest thing with anything related to music is if the way that a character is playing an instrument doesn't match what I hear that gets yeah, under sure my skin. Yeah, that's infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, besides that, I think obviously like nailing the story down because um, I just love you know, the, the sort of coming of age aspect to it and the appreciation for music and how that comes together with the friendship between Kaoru and, and Sentaro in the anime. Next up, I have the anime film Perfect Blue, which I guess technically already happened with Black Swan. Remember everyone talking about that? Oh, yeah. There's many <laughs> comparisons between the both. I think there's also a Japanese live action when I was researching, and I think that's what I saw. But I think most people in the West, when they hear Perfect Blue live action, they're like, Black Swan was basically that. Um, but I think a, a true one-for-one action live action adaptation of perfect blue could work it's i mean it's a psychological horror that that's what it is you need a a team that understands how to do psychological horror okay god i can't say that word horror very very well um scary psychological scary shit (laughs) like almost bringing in a team that primarily does scary movies with a team that can like handle the very unique writing from satoshi khan because that's a satoshi khan film right yeah okay so yeah like the the stuff that he does in his film it's great like it really makes you think so it's it's gonna it would be a very delicate thing to pull off but we've seen it work with black swan i don't really remember much about black swan but i thought it was a very well done movie so if you do it at that caliber i think perfect blue could work i could see it as i haven't watched perfect blue only clips but yeah i could see it as more of like an art artistic film one that i think like with black swan was up for like oscar nods or whatever um i could see this being on that caliber like that oscar caliber if done the right way i think it could fail though again similarly if it doesn't have the right team who understands psychological thrillers or whatever it could fail if they're too afraid to tap into the scary nature of perfect blue Mm. it's not necessarily a scary movie (laughs) i can't every time i say scary movie i just think of like the comedy scary yeah (laughs) um it's not necessarily like a scary movie like a traditional one that we would think of but it is freaky like there are some really scary elements to perfect blue so you the the team would have to be unafraid to tackle that head on um because that's what makes it so intense to watch you also need somebody like an actress who can 
who's really good at that type of role. Natalie Portman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just take her from Black Swan. Next on my list, this is a stupid choice, but I, I think it would just be hilarious to see this as a live action. Marmalade Boy. I thought you were going to say Pokemon. <laughs> I know. Usually in our discussions, I'll include like a Pokemon answer, but <laughs> there is none here. We already have Detective Pikachu. That was great. Um, but yeah, Marmalade Boy, which does have a live action Japanese film adaptation as well as a Taiwanese TV adaptation. But <laughs> I think Marmalade Boy is just juicy enough to merit its own show on a channel like the CW. It's basically those shows. I mean, it takes place in a Japanese high school setting, but take the same premise, which is a really weird premise of these two love interests whose parents marry each other's parents. And that's like from there, things just go awry, but you know, they, they have, they harbor feelings for each other. And then, all the other shit with their friends happens and and there's love triangles here and there like it was such a wild ride of a show that to see it in live action form i think it would just frustrate me all over again but i would eat up that shit in a minute yeah i feel like marmalade boy would only work in tv series format because yeah. you'd need like the cliffhangers and like the the anticipation to make that good like i don't think you can get that from a film like a, a one shot film Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I don't know if there's any way that could make this fail. I think Marmalade Boy. There's a lot of itself, ways it could fail. <laughs> in itself, it would fail just because of how trashy it, it would be. Maybe if if like the adaptation, especially if it were done like in the West, because you know people love trashy romance in the West. But if it were made like even more trashy, I think that's where it would fail. Just do it in the style of Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah, no, that would make it the absolute worst. Well, the last one on my list is Violet Evergarden. Oh, okay. So I don't think there's any live actions already. Um, I'm kind of surprised. But I imagine if we had Violet Evergarden live action done in the style of Downton Abbey, it could really work. Because Violet Evergarden is like decently realistic, but the mannerisms and everything, like it's not 100% like real like Downton Abbey if you've seen that show like it's it's pretty real but it's not a hundred percent real like there's you can feel like there is a bit of overacting but it's like a sprinkle of overacting that really helps to I don't know like like I'm having a hard time describing it like a sprinkle of a light soap opera yeah yeah exactly to give it that vibe um where it doesn't feel campy it doesn't feel dumb or cringe or anything like that but it helps to to show how grand the lifestyle is in Downton Abbey and like the se- the settings that they're in. Just like everything feels a little bit more grand because of that sprinkle of overacting that you get. So you would need something similar with Violet Evergarden, um, and I think that it would work really really well. You need a a lead actress who can be as like delicate but powerful as Violet is um, because of her backstory. I don't want to spoil anything, but she's not all that she seems. She's not just, you know, this this like simple individual. She's got a lot going on, a lot to her backstory. So that could be tricky, I think. I also think in terms of like how it could fail is if there's not good chemistry between Violet and I, 
major. I, I don't remember what his name is. Um, wait, let me look Gilbert? No, no, what? <laughs> well, I'm just reading the <laughs> the wiki cast. Oh, yeah, Major Gilbert. Okay, yeah. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, if there's not good chemistry between them, because the whole point of Violent Evergarden, I guess, light spoilers, is that she's trying to understand what the word love means um, through her experiences with various individuals. So if there's not chemistry um, and that, that powerful sense of like longing to see somebody, then I, I don't think it would translate very well. I see on again on the Wikipedia page that this is a genre. Violet Evergarden is in the coming of age genre, but also the steampunk genre. Uh steampunk. I mean, it's yeah, like I visually, guess. is that kinda <laughs> like okay. I guess <laughs> from what I remember. Um, but like not really. I would not think steampunk. You're, but you said more in the vein of Downton. Yeah, like a period piece. Like that's mm. what Violet Evergarden feels like to me, like a period piece set in like Europe. So there's no like, like visual effects to this. No, it's not like House Moving Castle shit or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> From what I remember. <laughs> okay. I thought it was pretty realistic. Um, but yeah, I think Violet Evergarden could be a great option for a live action. Well, the last anime I had on my list, and I'm kind of surprised we didn't share this one. I don't think I think we only shared one. Which was Vinland Saga. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Just one for one there. Um, this one should come as no surprise because we absolutely love this animated death on Strictly Anime. We have a special review series on it. And I'm talking about the Titan that is Attack on Titan. And I know for a fact that there is a live-action Japanese film. I think that it came out in two parts in Japan and it was not very well received because I read a synopsis and it deviates a lot from the source material and I think it kind of goes into the science fiction realm <laughs> towards the end of it. Oh god. Um but there is also in in the works a western live action adaptation that is supposed to be directed by Andy Muschietti. It was the same guy who directed the two It film reboots. What the hell? <laughs> um, as well as he directed the, the new Flash movie that just came out. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a red flag for people. Um, but yeah, apparently it's in development. I think it's supposed to be his next film, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I feel like we're going to see a live action AOT somewhere beyond the horizon. And... You know, I would actually love to see it. I, I, it I, at first, it felt like one of those untouchables similar to like Cowboy Bebop and then, you know, Netflix went and fucked that up. Uh, but in this case, I would love to see AOT done in a live action with a big budget, all out CGI, VFX, production sets, you know, just pulling out all the stops for it because I think that's what AOT deserves. Like Game of Thrones caliber. Right. And... In that vein, there isn't anything I feel that needs to be altered in AOT's story that I think would need to appeal to a larger audience. Because looking at Game of Thrones, um, that was a fantasy novel written by George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, or what was the first um, novel? Like a, a Song of Ice and Fire, right? I think so. I have no idea. And so, I that, so. Like, that sort of book was meant to appeal to like readers 
I guess kind of like nerds, basically. Uh, but then that <laughs> enjoyers that, of the fantasy genre, <laughs> right? But then Game of Thrones ended up becoming a global phenomenon because of how well the story, at least in the first couple of seasons, how well the story was written. And I think that's the same case with Attack on Titan. Uh, it still has its anime elements, and in some ways, it, it feels Japanese. But you look at the setting, you look at the characters, they. Obviously, they have like an Anglo-Saxon influence, and so in that sense, it almost feels like this could take place, or like this could be written from a Western perspective. And I think the story just has the narrative complexity and the exhilaration to stand on its own just with that IRL palette. Um, I won't totally doubt this one. I could see it working Yes, if it's done like Game of Thrones, because while the Titans are a key part of the story, they're like not on screen all the time. Yeah, right. Like, like the dragons. Yeah, in Game like of Thrones. Yeah, like you in Game of Thrones, like you see the dragons here and there, but they're not like constantly on screen. So mm-hmm. as long as they can get those moments where the Titans are on screen, like the CGI, like if they can get that right, it could work. I just think it'd be tricky to to do the odm gear like how do you make that not look clunky at least like with attack on titan it doesn't do like these caricatured or exaggerated shots of character characters that fly through the air you know i mean everything that's done in attack they don't have like the overly animated um anime faces that you see in typical anime yeah and like the story is phenomenal so mm-hmm. like this is this would need to be a one for one there need to be there needs to be no changes like no changes at all <laughs> to the story like i just don't see mm-hmm. like it's it's so tightly written i don't see how you could make it change and, and make it work yeah like it needs to happen exactly the way it happens in the anime and the manga um but i also think that aaron yeager is like tough to pull off as a kid mm-hmm. I feel like final season emo Aaron could be easier to pull off. I feel like in general, the final season is probably easier to adapt into a live action yeah. than the earlier parts of the show. It's almost like Harry Potter, like Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, he was a novice actor, of course, when that film series started, but then he started to become more of his own by the end of that film series. And I think he he was a fantastic actor to play Harry Potter. But I think someone with that sort of complexity, like who can delve into the character and really understand him, I think that's important in casting Aaron Yeager. Uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, right. (laughs) I just always do. I feel like Tom Holland's always been picked as like a main character in a lot of movies now. He's typecast as the young character. Yeah. Um. But I think the make or break with a live action AOT adaptation is, I think it has to go in a similar vein with One Piece where you need Isayama's blessing. Like, Not he, even that. You need him on the right. project team. Like He needs to mm-hmm. be part of the team. <laughs> so if whatever studio, I think Warner Brothers is behind the Western adaptation. Like Warner Brothers needs to have Isayama on as a consultant, much like Netflix has Oda as a consultant for One Piece. Like, everything needs to go through him. And, you know, it doesn't have to... 
I know we just said it has to be a uh, it should be a one for one adaptation, but you know if there are elements of the story where you know they think they could go in a different creative direction, I think as long as Isayama has given his approval, that would be fine with me. But there is no way an Attack on Titan adaptation would succeed in my eyes without Hajime Isayama somewhere behind the scenes. I still disagree. I think it needs to be a one for one. I don't know how you can deviate and still make that work. Like it is every bit of it is purposely written the way it is to make the story what it is. But I'm also like, I hope there's never a live action adaptation, although it sounds like my <laughs> wish is going to be broken here. <laughs> you know, it's always like hope for the best, expect the worst when it comes to live actions. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, those are the anime that we think would actually work as live action adaptations, even though the whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, but I really don't want any of these to happen, even though a lot of mm-hmm. them are, have already happened. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if there are any film or studio executives that just happen to listen to this episode, I don't know why you're listening to Strictly Anime, but if you are and you're planning to do a live-action adaptation of any of these anime, or any any anime for that matter. Just don't. <laughs> okay, th- that, or don't fuck it up. <laughs> well, with that, let us know what you guys think could be good as live-action adaptations, whether it's an anime that has not had any adaptations, or one that has and that sucked ass, and how you would do things different to make it a success. And as always, thank you guys for tuning in and for your continued support. We love you guys so, so much. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on our favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us and to tell us which anime you want to see as live action adaptations. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series. And tune into Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.